Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone. Uh, it has been a minute. Welcome back to Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you. We know it has been a while. Uh, we've only done two podcasts since the season ended. I guess we were overdue to check in, Phil. Yeah, it, you know, we kind of hung out and let the summer envelop us. And now what do you know? It's basketball season. And I guess in some respects, no news is good news, right? Usually a lot of our uh, summer check-ins or reasons we fire things up is, oh, there's a, a guy transferred or there's something, uh, you know, a, a coaching change or something that we need to dive into that has the fan base worried. So I guess in that regard, the fact that we haven't had to podcast very much over the summer is maybe a good thing. Yeah, it's it's this is the most stable the roster has been certainly over the summer in Darn near a decade. So I, I, I guess without anyone prompting us to talk about Marquette basketball, thanks to a shocking transfer or a, you know, someone leaving early or some big, huge recruit, recruiting news happening, we just don't remember to talk about it. So, you know, I, I think that's that's probably a good thing that it's a little quieter this this off season, Right. We've we've been through a bit of things. Yeah, we yeah we have. So, we, well, we're, what I think we're going to do in today's show, I'm going to basically call in today's show a catch-up show. Basically, we're going to recap everything that's noteworthy that's since the season ended back in March after the NCAA tournament lost to North Carolina, uh, and what the team is looking like now. So we're basically going to go over who has left the program, who is back, who is joining the program, and what we think about uh, the current team. And we're also going to have a little fun at the end of the show, uh, inspired by some cool releases from 199.com. If you've seen 199, familiar with it, they have a lot of vintage college apparel, very popular among college basketball fans. It's uh, 19NINE spelled out. So the number one, the number nine, nine, 199.com. Uh, they had some really cool Marquette drops. Uh, in the past week or so. We're going to go through some of our favorite things on the site. Makes us feel old now, Phil, that the 2003 stuff is vintage. Right. Well, but uh, there's say, some cool. We need to debate what, how vintage it is and how much we liked it the first time around, let alone the second time around. Yeah, but uh, this does bring up one important topic that I don't think we touch on enough on the show that I really wanted to hit before we talk Marquette basketball, and that is a very important point. We can be bought. Mm, absolutely. There is no bar you, we won't go below. If you send us stuff for free stuff, we will pimp it on this podcast. We can easily be bought. I don't know if I've, I can't remember if I shared this story in our summer check-in podcast, but it's worth a, a, a recap, uh, bring it up again if I did. But So you may remember in our NCAA tournament preview podcast, the game was in Fort Worth, which is where I live. And I was giving people just some suggestions, things to do, places to go, good restaurants, bars, breweries, stuff like that. And I mentioned on that pod that uh, Blood and Honey by Revolver Brewing is my favorite beer in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I recommended people try it. Well, a guy hopped into my DMs shortly after that podcast dropped and said, Hey, uh, I live in Fort Worth, listen to the podcast. My wife is a Marquette alum. Uh, She works as a brewer at Revolver Brewing. And we really appreciate the shout-out on Blood and Honey. We'd love to, uh, you know, drop a little uh, gift package off for you. I'm like, well, you don't have to do that, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> Here's my address. Uh, and I, I definitely didn't touch on this when this after the tournament because I, I hadn't gotten uh, the stuff yet. I wasn't. I was thinking maybe a sixer and a T-shirt or something. But I get home one day and uh, there's like eight little six packs of revolver brewing, like their blood and honey, which I love. And also their eight one seven blonde. So I'll give one more thank you and shout out to revolver brewing. If you're in uh, Texas, I think that's the only place it's available actually is, uh, revolver I've, I've heard maybe tales that you can get it in Oklahoma, but that's okay. Maybe it goes a little further North, but, uh, Highly recommended, and thanks again to Revolver, so shout out to them. And again, Phil, we can be bought. Yes, absolutely. And if you're listening, Elon, um, I would accept a Tesla. So Yeah, um, I just want to shout out, you know, Lamborghinis are great cars, Jordan makes great shoes, 
Um, you know, Rolex makes awesome watches. Just want to throw all that stuff out there. You know, before before we move on. Right. But hey, let's talk basketball. And so I again, th- I think this is a, a good catch up pod for maybe for those of maybe just been casually paying attention or maybe uh, we have some new fans. If you especially maybe you're a student who didn't care, or didn't know much at all about Marquette basketball, but now you're a student, now you're all in. That's the way I was. I mean, I didn't know anything about Marquette basketball when I enrolled. Then I go to Midnight Madness, which used to be a thing, and I enjoyed it, and <laughs> I was all in. The, um, the tales of Midnight Madness is gone. Yeah, well, of we, your, when, when we actually yeah, had hopefully, them. yeah, hopefully that's coming back. But I don't know if we need to dive into that here. But yes, but anyway, if you're a new fan, this is a way to maybe catch you up, talk about maybe what you've missed, um, and let you know how the team is looking, and maybe additions and subtractions for last year. So let's start, Phil, with who is gone from last year's squad. We knew. Daryl Morcell was out of eligibility. Uh, he was a, a, a one-year guy at Marquette, as was Kirk Queth. He spent one year after transferring in from Oklahoma last year. And then uh, also Greg Elliott, who had one more year of eligibility. He had his COVID year, but he is done at Marquette. He transferred to Pitt. Uh, and then Justin Lewis entered the draft, which as last season went along, Phil, uh, we kind of thought that might be a possibility. He did not get drafted. But he did get picked up by the Bulls. Had a knee injury. Doesn't know. I don't know if he's going to play much or at all this year. But I'll, I'll start there, Phil. I, you know, I get among the guys who have left. Obviously, Justin Lewis is maybe the one y- y- you hoped you would get back. Maybe selfishly as a fan, but he made the best decision for him. Wish him well. Hope he has a good career in the NBA with the Bulls or wherever he ends up. But um, that was maybe the only thing. Maybe some Marquette fans were clinging to. Like maybe we get Justin Lewis back. But I think we knew when the season ended there was a good chance he was. He had played his last game at Marquette. Yeah, and and for those that listened to the pod back in April, we're not gonna we're not gonna change any of our tune. But you know, Justin Lewis, you got to go get that that money when you can. He made the right choice. He could have come back this season. Marquette would have, on paper, certainly been, um, I think, higher uh, had a higher regard from the, the the basketball media if if Justin Lewis is back because, you know, again on paper they they look better with him back. But well, yeah, he's the preseason player of the year in right, my mind if he's right, back. Right, absolutely, and and could he have in come back and done another year? Yeah, maybe, but like it was still the I still think when you go, you go. Um, and quite frankly, you don't get a year younger when you come back for more, right? And age, your age matters in this draft stuff. Now, he, he may have made some questionable choices or had some bad advice throughout the draft and, and preseason process. Um, and But you can't look at the injury and go, oh, well, see, he never should have left. Because guess what? If, if, he, uh, if he doesn't leave and he gets that injury at a Marquette practice, um, yep. he's in a significantly worse off position. Not that Marquette's not going to help, but like there's a difference between rehabbing on an NBA team's dime and rehabbing on a college team's dime. Two very different experiences. Yeah, what if he misses the entire year for Marquette? Right. Then he's not a pro after this year either. He's he's got a you know rehab, and then probably come back for a second year, which he had not planned on doing. So he made the right call. Hope he gets healthy soon, and hope he gets back on the floor. I'll just touch briefly on Greg Elliott. I know he's a fan favorite. We loved Greg. He gave Marquette everything he had. Had some tough luck with injuries. But I think it was probably the right time for him to move on. Just because as Shaka is trying to rebuild this thing with all these young guys, I'm not sure a sixth year of Greg was worth um, the playing time you would lose from a guy like maybe Stevie Mitchell or a Marion Ellis or maybe one of the young guards transfers because they think, well, I'm not playing as much this year. I think more minutes from the young guys is better for Shaka's team and maybe Greg with a chance to play more at Pittsburgh, who just lost their top one of their top guard recruits coming in, so he may be getting more playing time than even Pitt expected. Uh, I think it was best for both sides that uh, they both have, they, that they parted ways. Yeah, absolutely. Mutual, you know. I'm, I mean, yeah, I think it, it was most likely mutual. Um, at least that's the way it was handled in public. And honestly, let's let's kind of put a little bit of a projection on this season. Um, this season, I'm sure the team has aspirations, but nobody is kidding themselves with this team that this is a, a Final Four you know, destined team, right? Like, who knows? Maybe right. crazy thing, crazy things happen. But the, the, you know, some of what Shaka is doing 
is building not only for this year, but the year after, right? And if you have Greg back, no doubt a glue guy, he's there. But, like, how much are you really going to develop and get better between your fifth and sixth year versus getting even young guys some some minutes, stealing minutes here, like a Chase Ross or, um, you know, or getting more minutes for Sean Jones. Um, you know, if you can steal you know, 10 minutes a game for those two guys to get into game action as freshmen, um, that's more valuable in future seasons than status quo with Greg. Again, nothing against yeah. Greg. He's just, he's he is what he is at this point. We don't know what, uh, not not to go family guy, we don't know what, what Chase Ross or, uh, uh, or Sean Jones are. They might even be a mystery box. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And you bring up where I wanted to go to next. Let's talk about the new guys. So who are the new people on this team? Maybe for those who don't follow recruiting or just need an update on the roster. The new faces on the team this year are, first you have Chase Ross. You mentioned him. He is a 6'4 guard. Uh, he is from Dallas. He played last year at Cushing Academy. Uh, you also have Zach Reitzel, who is a transfer from Loyola, New Orleans. Uh, he was the NAIA National Player of the Year. I want to get back to that in just a minute. Uh, then we have Ben Gold. He is from New Zealand, actually. So they went international to land him. He is a 6'11 forward. So some depth in the middle with him. And you also mentioned Sean Jones. He is a 5'10 guard from uh, Ohio. Looks like he has a lot of energy. Uh, plays, plays with... Uh, Plays with a lot of bounce for a little guy, and uh, I'll let you take it wherever you want to go from there, Phil. Uh, new guys, what excites you, what intrigues you about the new crop of Golden Eagles? Yeah, so I, I'm going to start and say, like, with, with Chase Ross, I, I don't know what that what he is, right? Like, that is, his, as, as a player, he's probably the one I'm most uncertain about in terms of what he's going to bring to the table, what, what his minutes are going to be, so, you know, Full disclosure, as I as we go through this, if if I'm ignoring Chase Ross, it's only because I don't I don't I don't, I don't know what to, to to call for him. I don't know if he's going to play the wing. Is he going to play the off guard? Um, is he going to get a lot of minutes, a little minutes? He's he's a big unknown for me. What I am, you know, kind of excited and really intrigued by is is actually Sean Jones because that that at least what i've seen in limited you know tapes and whatnot the pure athleticism that he brings to the team and and quite frankly the speed um i think is a really intriguing process that kind of energy that athleticism i could see him being you know shaka's go-to hey you want to get havoc let's go havoc kind of kind of guard right like maybe him and stevie mitchell playing together just pestering the bejesus out of whatever opponent um is trying to bring the ball up or something like that i think that athleticism is something that we haven't seen in a little bit and i'm really intrigued to see how it plays out on this team Yeah, it may not be a perfect comparison, but Sean Jones gives me some Dominic James oh, for vibes. Sure. Talking about looking at some of Sean Jones' highlights. For some of you young fans who do not know of Dominic James' work, he was a uh, he was a five ten guard who had a uh, he played with Jarrell McNeil, who was in Wesley Matthews. Jarrell was the all time leading scorer for a while there, but Dominic James, uh, yeah, he. A 5'10 guy, 40-inch vertical. They would throw alley-oops to him. He could block big guys at the rim. He was just an exciting player. Again, maybe Sean Jones isn't exactly like that, but that kind of energy is kind of what I see on his highlights. So excited to see what he brings uh, in real time when I'm not looking at highlights, when I'm actually watching Marquette games. But I, a guy I mentioned a second ago, Phil, that I am very, I don't know, excited is the right word, but just very intrigued by is Zach Wrightsill. He is, again, like I mentioned, the transfer from Loyola, New Orleans, which is an NAIA school. And he was the national player of the year at that level. And I'm just never sure what to think of a player who dominates at that level moving up significantly, right? I mean, if he had moved into the Patriot League, that is a step up from NAIA ball. But he's going from... NAIA to the Big East, uh, a physical league, which usually has a lot of experienced players. But, um, you know, Andre from Paint Touches did a little analysis of him that he posted a thread on a while back, saying, you know, his rebounding seems to translate. Uh, he averaged 18 points and nine boards about that uh, in NAIA last year, uh, helped his team get to the Final Four. Um, so 
I, I, I'm hoping that translates because if he is going to be a dependable, uh, active rebounder and a good defender, uh, that's going to make a big difference. And maybe the loss of Justin Lewis is not felt as badly if he translates. The other way this could go, of course, is what you fear. Uh, a guy coming up from that level just isn't ready for the physicality or the speed of the Big East, and maybe he's uh, more of a bench guy. I am hoping for the former, not the latter. I, uh, you know, granted, I'm not expecting 18 and nine from him at the Big East, but if he can just be a a, a glue guy who really hits the boards, rebounding was such a weak spot for this team last year. I think he makes a big difference this year. Yeah, well, I think that, that you hit the nail on the head in the very last sentence, right? Like Zach Reitzel, if he has one, I'll say, elite skill, um, you know, it is rebounding, and th- that is one thing this team really struggled with so if he can guard his position and rebound and 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 you know you mentioned him in 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 passing with with justin lewis he doesn't have to replace justin lewis it's not like we need to turn around and say all right person x is the new justin lewis right what we need is for him to be good at a couple of things whether it's scoring rebounding defense a perimeter shooting whatever Pick two thing, two of those things. He's got to be good at it, and then the rest of the team has to make up the other things that he's not good of, good at. And we make a new quote unquote Justin Lewis out of the pieces we have, right? And I think Wrightsoul's rebounding, at least the athleticism and the rebounding, should translate to this level right it's not you know he's he's not necessarily a blow-by guy right i'd be worried if like he was known for scoring you know 50 points at the naia level um because he could just blow by everybody and and as soon as he came up to this league and everyone is as athletic as him like i'd be worried um but rebounding of of all the skills in basketball, rebounding is kind of one of the most like touch elements of of the whole thing. Like, there's a mental and a physical piece there that you to be good at rebounding, you have to be both. That translates to this level, and so I I'm excited to see what he does, what dimensions he brings to this to this team. What I'll be curious about is what he guards at this level, right? Because in NAIA. He was playing theoretically a lot of center, right? At six seven, you know, yeah, I'm sure there are six nine, six ten guys in the NAIA level, but they're, you know, I'm sure they're also meatheads lunking their way up and down the court, right? They're not few and far between, yeah. Like they're they're not pro prospects, far from it, right? right? They're right. Just probably guys who are a step slow to make it to the college level or the the D one level, and so yeah. The, he could overpower guys like that. Exactly. And so does he play a wing at his height? Does he play the four spot? Like, I, I, who does he match up against defensively? Can he hang with them defensively? Because we know in, in Shaka's world, you've got to be committed to, to solid, strong defense to get minutes. And so if he can do the defensive end, there's plenty of other talent there that he can do other things to make himself valuable. So we'll see. But there is, you know, like you kind of said, we're, we're hoping, you know, we're hoping for good Zach. But, you know, there is a there isn't a there is a non-zero chance that he may not translate to this level. We hope that's not the yeah. case, but it's not without risk. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if he was just like a total whiff, like just right. a, a nobody. I, I'd be surprised if it was that bad. But like if just there's are routinely like six, seven, or eight guys on the team who contribute more, and are, then I could see that. But I, 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 I don't. I think he'll be a little higher on the rotation, maybe even a starter. Um, we'll see where he fits in. And, you know, I, I tend to be wrong about Marquette freshmen every year. There's always a guy who maybe we don't speak much of in the preseason who emerges. Maybe that's Chase Ross this year. Maybe that's Ben Gold. And he, you know, again, a 6'11 guy. Looks like he's got a little bit of range. Looked pretty good playing for the New Zealand national team uh, this summer um, in the minutes he got with them. So curious to see how he trained. Maybe he surprises us. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely getting reps. Right. And I I think what's going to be interesting is, is how Shaka uses these pieces, you know, from a full roster perspective. I mean, we're still talking about the freshmen, but you know, Ben gold, I'm intrigued by him. He's, he's got range. He could be a, a face up four, 
um, you know, I don't know, could, could you know, it, it doesn't seem like he's probably likely to play at the three, so does he play the four? Does he, can he be a super skinny five? Like, I mean, somebody's got to back up the five. I mean, obviously, we'll get to the returning guys in a second here, but somebody's got to back up Osa. Right. He's not playing 40 minutes a game. You know, so so where is where is Ben Gold's, you know, positional minutes going to come? Um, I, I, I would be concerned if he's getting more than, I don't know, five or six minutes at the five a game. Um, you know, I see him very much cemented in that, in that, in that, you know, kind of, uh, face up four kind of, kind of role, but I don't know that it'll be interesting to see where his skill sets come into play. And like you said, there's, there's a number of freshmen on here that will get minutes. Now, I should also kind of preempt people to say, look, some of these freshmen will get minutes in the non-conference and then we'll see less to zero minutes in the conference season. Doesn't mean right. that the campaign has failed or, you know, they're a waste of a scholarship or anything like that. It's simply a numbers game. And if the more talented players are the older players, some of the freshmen are, are going to dwindle to zero. And that's just how, you know, that's just how these things work. Nobody's really going to have more than an eight or nine player rotation when it comes to conference play. It's just, right. it, it, it's just it's going to tighten it up, but I'm, I'm just curious to see what those guys have and maybe how they could fit in both this year and uh, and long term. So, uh, so as for the returning guys, yes, Justin Lewis, Marcel, Queth, Greg Elliott, they're all gone, but Marquette still returns a decent amount of minutes. Guys who got a lot of playing time and were key to that run to the tournament last year who return. Uh, I mentioned Oso Iguodaro a second ago. I think he's a guy a lot of people are intrigued by. I think his last year went along. He was proven to be the better offensive player than Queth in the middle. Um, and uh, the way he handles the ball certainly makes him intriguing, uh, both for this team and maybe perhaps as a pro prospect uh, eventually. Um, then you've got Tyler Kolick is back. He was very good at the guard spot, especially when it came to creating for others. Cam Jones is back. Again, I mentioned him a minute ago. He was the guy who surprised us the most last year. A guy I didn't think would play much at all. Turned out to be a very good score off the bench. Omax Prosper is back. I think he's probably got a good chance to be a starter this year. Uh, a guy, a, a bigger guy on the uh, wing, a 6'8 guy who will play three or four. David Joplin is back. A lot of people expecting more minutes for him. Some people liken him to a Justin Lewis type player. Could he be? Stevie Mitchell, he returns uh, as a sophomore point guard. He was good in spurts last year. Uh, Marion Ellis is back. Uh, he has an injury. Not sure how much or at all he's playing this year that uh to be determined uh and yeah, uh, don't forget about Ke- no one should be surprised if uh if uh, if ellis doesn't get any minutes this season maybe he does yeah. get some but it it seems like a pretty significant injury yeah medical red shirt may be on the table we'll see how he develops there and don't forget speaking of red shirts don't forget about key and he is back this year uh he redshirted a year ago um he could be he could be a guy who could be depth uh, in the front court. I don't know exactly where he fits in, but he is what is he six ten? Um, six always, nine. He was praised theoretically. Yeah, you know, six nine. Praised as a really good athlete, but I think he has some development to go uh, skill wise. Uh, did I forget any returning guys? I think I hit them all. You got them um, all. Okay, so good. I feel bad. I bet I did forget them. <laughs> but I think I hit all the key guys um, among the returners. Phil. Um, who should we be most excited about uh, for this year? Uh, I think Tyler Kolick is hands down the favorite player coming back. Um, I mean, I say that, but then I'm also excited for point oh so. But um, no, I, I think it's Tyler Kolick just in terms of like, you know, whatever point guard, you know, uh, uh, idiom you want to use stir that stirs the drink or straw that stirs the drink or the engine or the offense whatever it is i'm excited to see what tyler kolik does in year two of a shaka system with a lot of the pieces he has around him what he's able to create for others um what he's able to generate from his own offense can he go to the rim um you know maybe draw a foul make a layup um can you know can he improve on his three-point shooting i mean he was he was an above average to almost elite level point guard last season and he had clear holes in his game if he is able to correct one or two of those holes i mean he could be contending for the best point guard in the big east 
Yeah, uh, Kolick's detractors, and some of them within our own fan base, uh, will point to his three-point percentage, which was not great last year. It was 28%, which was kind of drop, quite a drop from his uh, freshman year at George Mason. But everything else he did pretty well, honestly. If you watched Marquette last year, you know that offense flowed much better when he was in the game and he was creating for other guys, whether it was just his passing or just dribbling into the lane and lobbing it up for the big guys or just drawing and dishing out to the perimeter for uh, someone to knock down an outside shot. The offense was much better with him, and I agree with you, Phil. Another year on the offense, and a season of off-season of work, and maybe that three-point shot comes around a little bit. We don't need him to be Marcus Howard, but just, like, if he's just an, even an average three-point shooter, like 33%, that – that's a step up, and he he would be a diamond a dynamite player this season if that right. He just needs to be a threat little. from three, right? Like if yeah, you know, think about the lack of space people were generating or the defenses were giving him last year in the paint and all the things he was able to do. If he at least forces folks to guard him on the perimeter, and or is able to generate contact in the ri- at the rim and finish at the rim. My goodness. I mean, you, you do, you take that, that complete skill set that he has, you know, from an assist standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, and, and you add some more scoring. Again, we don't, we don't need to replace Justin Lewis with one guy. If, if Tyler Kolick generates, you know, five more points a game and then, you know, Oso increases his points per game average by, by three and Omax is able to do more because Kolick's generating, right? Like, all of those things, all of a sudden you're looking at, hey, we've, we've generated 15 extra points a game to make up for, for, say, a Justin Lewis simply by several other people's doing a little bit more than they were able to do before. And I think Tyler will be the key to unlocking some of that. Yeah, and I think everyone's kind of curious. They always talk about who's making the leap. Who's going to go from a fringe guy to uh, – a guy everyone in the conference is talking about, right? Like, who could that be this year? And I think uh, two – I mean, I guess suppose everyone is a candidate for that, but I, I think two obvious candidates would be Cam Jones, who will probably get the opportunity to shoot more and score more. And there was even uh, – I forget who it was, but somebody put a – was asked for a bold prediction this year, and he was asked for uh, – uh, he said Cam Jones leads the Big East in scoring. But that's a bold prediction, but – it's it's in the ether. It's in the universe. And then um, it was on Rob Doster's podcast that somebody said that. But uh, and then the other one is Oso because again he was good sharing minutes with Queth last year. He figures to get the lion's share of the minutes this year as long as he's staying out of foul trouble. And just you mentioned the ball handling earlier, Phil. Uh, Oso can do so many things, and if he can keep adding to his game, um, he could be really really good this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and again, in it, it all depends on kind of how the pieces coalesce behind him, you know, but also both from a defensive standpoint, um, you know, and from what he can generate on the offensive end, I think he has an opportunity to really turn some heads and more as a more, more of a legit full two way player than some of the intrigue we saw last year, which is which was more of a, oh, okay, he's made some defensive plays, solid player. Okay, yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, I think he could turn some heads. Um, you know, I'd, I wouldn't go so far as to predict Oso will be a, you know, a, an all-Big East player, but I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the season there's at least a little bit of a talk around, oh, where, you know, do you think he can make that list, right? Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think he's likely to have that kind of, that kind of season. Maybe a rough guess on starters right now, Phil. I, I think Oso's a lock. I think Tyler's a lock. a lock. And Tyler's a lock. Yeah. Uh, that leaves two spots, so maybe going smaller. Cam Jones, Stevie Mitchell. We going bigger with Wrightsill, Joplin. Uh, you had to do a wild guess on five starters right now. Who? Where'd you go? I really think Wrightsill's going to be a starter, um, and and I'm going to say it. I think it's going to be Cam Jones. I think we're gonna we're gonna go with a little bit bigger of. 
uh, big of an bigger of an offense. And I also think there's some intrigue around Cam Jones. You know, just from an offense offensive standpoint, he's he's a dynamo, and right. And again, he can shoot the three. We know that for sure. If he can now start to get to the rim, like we saw in a bit of the blue and gold scrimmage, um, shaky camera footage. I I do thank somebody for videotaping that since I wasn't able to attend in person, but. Um, Thanks for nothing, University. But, uh, um, you know, if Cam is able to get to the rim, I think he's a really solid prospect. Plus, you know, there's an argument to be made that he's a competent defender. He just kind of got put into some defensive lineups where he was hung out to dry, right? Like, we don't need him to be a lockdown defender. But if he can guard his position with his offensive skill sets and some of the pieces around him, I, I think he, he he turns into a great player. So I would say I think the starters and – and I'll say this probably from a which five players from a positional standpoint are getting the most minutes, you know, because there's always that somebody starts but they only get 12 minutes in the game or, or right. some, some things. You know, we call that the Eric Williams corollary. Um, deep cut there. Yeah, real deep cut. Um, I think I think the the minutes by position the max get is Tyler at the one, Cam at the two, Reitzel at the three, Omax at the four, and Oso at the five. And Tyler and Oso I would put as absolute locks for like max minutes. I'd agree. I would agree. You know, one more point I wanted to make on on Cam. I I, I agree with everything you said. Sound like Shaka in his little. Uh, post scrimmage uh, media scrum sounds like shock is really challenging cam to get to the rim and get fouled this year. He he said uh, to one of the reporters he said for, to Ben Steele, he said, you know, he had as many free throws as you and I did in big East play last year. So uh, he wants to see cam be physical, you know, not just a shooter, but also be physical and get to the rack and get fouled and get free throws. Um, you figure if he's a good three point shooter, he should be a good free throw shooter. And so if he can add that to his game and get those easy ones, yeah, he could score a lot of points this year. I'm not going to go out landish and say he leads the Big East in scoring or anything, but he's going to get buckets. I think one last thing to me is, like, what, what are we, you know, we've got lots of guards, we can play lots of guard lineups, but what are we What are we going to do with the bigs? Who's going to back up Oso, you know, at the five? Is it going to be Ben Gold because he's tall? I mean, like, who's, who's going to take those... Uh, those minutes at the five, you know, right. So does he play, you know, does he play five at all? Do we go with the small lineup? He's a T-Jure ready for, for prime time. Like where do we play, you know, where do we play from a, from a four standpoint, right? You've got Omax, you've got Ben Gold, you've got right. you've got David Joplin that can all play the four. Uh, I'm not sure if any of them can play the five successfully behind Oso. You know, does do things look totally different when Oso's out of the lineup? And you know, and and you know, do we play three guard lineups and you know, and then we have a traditional swing every once in a while? Like I, I just I don't know what that looks like and who's going to be uh, developed enough and in the right positions to be able to, to, to take advantage of those, those minutes. Like I just, I'm excited for the talent we have, but I, I just, I don't know what that looks like going forward. Yeah. I wish I had those answers, but I'm intrigued by that as well, because you know, you, you, if you're just looking at height on the depth chart, well say, well, Ben Gold's tall. He should be the backup at the five, but um, you know, but uh, Zach Wrightsill's rebounding makes sense that he would be a backup at, at in the middle. And, you know, yeah, all, yeah, I could repeat everything you just said, but I agree with it, basically, just to kind of wrap it up. I, I don't know what the answer is, but you could look at everybody on the roster and say, ah, well, all the bigs on the roster and say, well, these are all reasons where or these are all guys who could back up Oso and give us depth in the middle. I just don't know who that's going to be. I'm curious who's going to emerge. And those minutes are still being worked out in practice as we speak. Um, and that could be a fluid situation all year. So a lot of reasons, uh, a lot of reasons for intrigue right there. But, you know, I think we've said a lot of reasons to be excited, Phil, but I don't want to get too deep on it. I think we'll get more into predictions and uh, wins and losses maybe in our next podcast. Uh, for those of you new to the show, we do a game-by-game -game preview of the season just before the season starts. We'll probably do that in our next pod. But just generally speaking, Phil, I think predictions around the nation, and understandably so, just are not that high on Marquette. Um, the metrics are low. Uh, I think a lot of predictions have us eighth or ninth in the big east 
Um, I can't say definitively they're wrong. It just feels low to me. I, I, I want to believe that making the tournament is a realistic goal for this squad. I, I wouldn't predict much beyond that, but I think there's enough talent and enough belief in Shaka Smart that he can get a lot out of this roster and make a run at a tournament this season. You know, I'll, I'll agree that you can find reasons why, um, you know, Marquette could finish low in the Big East, no doubt about it. Um, but, like, it's not like there are 10 other perfect teams out there, and it's clear. I, I What I don't understand about some of the, the media narrative or the, the basketball media around Marquette, where they're almost universally saying, look, Marquette's going to be in the bottom three. I see the argument for why Marquette could finish there. I'm not saying it's not a possibility. I just think the argument for other teams finishing down in that range is, from a probability standpoint, is certainly more likely than a Marquette, right? Like, for, for you to say, hey, Marquette's going to have to finish in the 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 or Marquette's going to finish in the bottom three. You've got to discount the fact that that Shaka has rebuilt on the fly every place he's been. Um, that that Shaka doesn't have quote unquote down years. Um, you also have to ignore the fact that there are four brand new coaches in the Big East, um, two of whom um, you know haven't proven it at this level, and two of whom you know have kind of been out of the game for a while. Thad Mata, you know, at Butler was left the game for health reasons and he couldn't put in the mileage. Um, you know, when he was at Ohio State, he's now five or six years older, hopefully healthier in a better, you know, mental state. But, you know, wh- why are we assuming that Butler will just rebuild in year one of Thad Mata after he's been out of the game for a while? You know, Sean Miller's been kind of sidelined for a, a year or two, right, doing media and, and stuff. You know, again, is yeah, he... but I, I think I think Xavier's going to be good though. I, I do, I do good. think Xavier's going to be better. Um, I, I I would pick Xavier to finish in the in the top five, no question. But again, it's 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 one of those like, okay, Xavier's going to be good, all right, but you still have DePaul doing DePaul things. And I guess I'll ask the question: Is Patrick Ewing still the coach at Georgetown? He is. Ah, okay. Can we put him below eleven? Yeah, we can. 12th. Yeah, 12. Let's let's put Georgetown 12th. Right. So there's, you know, DePaul might be better, but they've had a huge roster turnover. Um, you know, I don't care what John Fanta says, you know, like I don't care who you've heard from on, you know, from someone's sister's cousin's brothers at 31 Flavors the other night. I, until DePaul comes back and shows that they can be really good, I'm not going to count on them to finish ahead of Marquette. Um, you know, St. John's and Mike Anderson haven't proven, you know, that they're they're heading in a great direction or anything like that. So, again, if I'm looking at it collectively, I'm not predicting Marquette to, you know, to finish in the top three. You know, I didn't even mention Shaw, Shaw Holloway and, and Seton Hall, right? That's a complete rebuild. I think Holloway will be successful long term. But, Agree. You, know, you know, everyone thinks, you know, Seton Hall is just going to come in and finish in the top half of the league with a completely new roster and a brand new coach mm. um maybe um it just doesn't seem as likely as hey marquette finishes middle of the road because we've got some talent and we've got shaka you know so i i, I struggle with it i don't know i i rambled a lot but you know kind of how do you how do you see it shaking out i think you kind of said it all there I, I don't know how much i want to repeat but I, I i think you hit on all the points i wanted to hit uh yeah some new coaches but i i, I think sean miller is going to be fine at Xavier. I think they'll be quite good. Uh, but yeah, I agree with everything you said about Thad Mata. He's been out a while. It's not like he's taken like a year or two off. It, you know, he's there's a lot of new stuff in recruiting and college basketball that he really wasn't dealing with when he was crushing it at Ohio State. Um, I, like, I mean, he could be great. Navigate NIL. <laughs> uh, he's got somebody to do that for him. I hope. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, he could do very well there, but uh, it would not shock me if he needs a year or two to catch up. Uh, I agree with everything you said on Seton Hall. Great coach. I think it's a great for the long term. I would not be shocked at growing pains this year. Uh, DePaul and Georgetown, for all the reasons we discount DePaul and Georgetown every year, perfectly logical until they prove us wrong. So, And then I, I think Providence uh, has some pieces to replace, and they were uh, you know, fortunate shall we say, to win that championship asterisk last year. Um, and I think they should still be good and could be a, a decent team a tournament team perhaps but i wouldn't say they're 
definitely better than Marquette. They might be. Well, um, that's the thing is but, like, are we putting Ed Cooley in a rebuilding year versus Marquette or, you know, Shaka Smart in a rebuilding year at, at Marquette and saying on paper, yeah, Ed Cooley's definitely going to do this compared to Shaka. Like, again, to your point, they could, but it, you know, to th- there seems to be this foregone conclusion on on where Marquette's going to go this year that doesn't seem to be the same for other teams. And I'm like, I, I don't I don't get it. You know, the, the only team... Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the, the only team that I look at on paper, you know, for, in terms of question marks and go, I'm sure they'll probably be fine, is Kyle Neptune at Villanova, right? Like, right. brand new coach. But again, it's Villanova. Maybe ton of talent. they step back, but there's there's a ton of talent there. Um, yeah. And Kyle, now, they lost Whitmore. They lost Whitmore, their superstar freshman. Uh, but I don't know how long. I think he'll probably be back for Big East play. But he's probably a one and done guy. But he's really, really good. Uh, but yeah, it, the comfort is not bare. He, he's a he is a new coach who hasn't proven it, but he's got the horses to win the league. Uh, I think, generally speaking, I think it's going to be in some order Creighton and Nova at the top. Yep. Xavier's probably not too far behind them. Uh, DePaul and Georgetown at the bottom, and then. Who knows between four and nine? I mean, it's and it's been that way like how, for for years, right? Like probably since Syracuse and um, you know Syracuse and and the the rest of those folks abandoned ship for the ACC. Right. Let let's all laugh at them. Um, you know, made those football decisions. Since then, it's basically been literally Villanova. Uh, yeah, and then it's s- been like Villanova, Villanova, and one random team who could dethrone Villanova. Some years it's Creighton, some years it's Xavier, some years it was Seton Hall. But it was like Villanova and one top contender, and then uh, it was either DePaul or Georgetown picked to be dead last, and then everyone else in the middle. Eh, who knows? Right, right, right. And it right. was yeah, and it was a bunch of like when it was ten teams. We didn't mention UConn, but you know UConn. Right. Will- finish somewhere there um i think they'll be upper half yeah right right but but i mean again it's going to be there's going to be six or seven teams that are going to beat up each on each other um you know creighton and nova probably beat on most of the teams georgetown and depaul maybe they get an occasional woohoo look at you you got to win kind of kind of victories um and and that's just gonna it there's there's nothing that says seismically this league is any different this year than it has been last year the names have changed in terms of the coaches and the players but it's going to be a top two you know clear clear ahead and then we're going to have discussions on three through nine which of them are going to earn bids and which aren't and then 10 and 11 hello georgetown and depaul We'll probably dive deeper into the Big East and what we think Marquette's record might be in it uh, in our next podcast. Again, during the season, we do pretty much every week. This podcast will drop usually on Mondays, sometimes Tuesdays when life gets in the way, as Phil and I like to say. But usually it'll drop on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, and we do like maybe like a monthly or so check-in. But again, we only did like one check-in all summer uh, this year. So uh, be sure to follow us along. Be sure to subscribe to make sure uh, you are up to date. So we'll probably do some of that in our next pod. Before we get out of here, Phil, as promised, we're going to talk gear. We're going to talk some drip here as uh, 199 drops some pretty cool Marquette apparel. Again, uh, that's 19 and then N-I-N-E spelled out, dot com. They have a lot of vintage uh, college gear. They can drop some cool Marquette stuff. These logos look familiar, Phil. The vintage <laughs> Golden Eagle <laughs> is back in circulation. I love it. Love to see it. Uh, they got some cool stuff on there. I, I, I have some shirts from 199 myself. Their hoodies are really soft. Me being a work-from-home guy, I like their shorts as well. They have the Bumblebee shorts. They have the uh, then the 2003 Dwayne Wade era shorts that just dropped. Uh, and I know you like their quarter zip, which is really good looking in the throwback colors. What are some of your favorite stuff, yeah. favorite things from uh, 199? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you have to be professional up top you know, uh, casual on the bottom. So, so some of the shorts make a, make a ton of sense. Um, (laughs) but, but I, I mean, their quarter zips and their hoodies are super comfortable. I love the, uh, um, the throwback 
kind of untucked quarter zip. Um, that's that's probably my favorite uh, favorite thing to wear to a game these days. Uh, the other one, and it's actually a T-shirt, and I always refer to it as as the Death Star. Um, you know, some you know some newer fans may not recognize it. I mean, hell, it was retro when I was born, so it's 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 damn near ancient at this point. But uh, it's the you know I, I guess it's one of those. It's kind of like the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, baseball, uh, you know, the M and the B are, are hidden in the, the Brewers logo. Um, the Death Star logo is the, the M and the U, um, but they're, they're kind of a funky curved M and U, but it, lo- it just looks like a kind of a circle with a line in it, right? Um, yeah, it looks like, uh, I like to think it looks like the power button on your computer. Oh, yeah, there you of. go. It, so that's kind of what it looks like, but I like it because it's kind of a, a deep cut. Like, if you're not a Marquette fan, you wouldn't even know what that shirt is. Right. And so that's kind of what I like about it. So if anyone recognizes what it is, they'd be like, oh, sweet, Marquette, nice shirt. Right. So th- that is a cool shirt. I do like that one. You know, and, and so, I mean, all there, I mean, when when we got into the, the, the tweeting back and forth with the 199 folks, I did, I did do a, a deep dive into my closet and at least according to the wife character and maybe some some others out there, I have an unhealthy amount of 19.9 products. Um, so it's tough to say what is the the favorite. And that's that's not just a, a shill thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, the the hoodies is the, the only hoodie I don't have. And and like the Death Star, it's probably a deep cut one is the is the Mecca hoodie. I, I love the look out of it. But I was like, I can't justify seven hood. I can only wear one hoodie at a time i can't i can't get all of these hoodies because then what am i going to do with them but um yeah <laughs> just new hoodie every day <laughs> yeah. for like two weeks oh I, I wish i could wear you know i go into the office for for my job a fair amount these days i wish wish i could just wear a hoodie into the office but yeah. alas those yeah, I, silly customers again, it's basketball shorts and hoodies for me <laughs> Be- I, ever since covid was a thing i've become uh, very accustomed to joggers they don't have joggers but that, that's another part of my my work attire now that i work from home but i do like their gym shorts their basketball shorts they again uh, the bumblebees are awesome um and then I, I the hoodie i like is the retro script one it's the it's the navy blue one with the yellow marquette retro script uh, splashed across the front so i think those are my favorites so like, i like i like the quarter zip like you do i like the bumblebee shorts and i like the retro scripts hoodie so if you want some vintage marquette gear go over to 199.com uh, and i think they got still free shipping uh, for you if uh, you use a i think there's a promo code for marquette if you well, I, I think they even out. I think they even have a a Final Four T-shirt that you bought at the Final Four or on the at, they at do the yeah they 8, do right? yeah yeah because I because yeah I was at the Elite Eight game in Minneapolis and as soon as the game ended me and my uh, our roommate Dave uh, who was with me we went to the concession uh, or the you know the the gear stand right there and they had busted out the shirts you know just like as you would at any championship event when the game's over they start selling the championship shirt they were selling final four shirts i don't remember what it cost it could have cost a hundred dollars i would have paid for it that day because marquette had just made the final four it was the only or the third in our history uh so we wanted shirts and we got them and we wore them like for a day straight after that yeah now i can buy now see yeah the old one's all torn up i think i think it's been turned into a blanket since you know how you can yeah. take old shirts and just cut out the logos i think that's where it is now i don't don't wear it anymore but if i want it back now it's available as a much softer t-shirt than the one i bought that's true so, oh, well and i will say i i'm still confused as to i know it's been 20 years and i guess everything you know 20 years later is vintage but like were we really impressed by like some of the some of the stuff back then like especially the uniforms you mentioned dominic james earlier and and i i saw a clip of him it was against tennessee where he absolutely you know from the blind side i think Jarrell mcneil retweeted it which is which is why i saw it but he just he blocked like a a six seven guy who was going up for a dunk because he came out of nowhere on the backside and, yeah. and and met him at the rim like what is this 510 guy doing looking at me in the eye at the rim but like just the fit of some of the those uh those uniforms was oh my god Jarrell yeah. mcneil was just absolutely swimming in his uniform and i'm like yeah. this is vintage now yeah, yeah. They uh, fortunately, uh, Dominic and Jarrell, they got to wear Marquette's sweetest uniforms since I've been a fan, anyway. Amen. Uh, the ones with the checkerboards on the side, 
before they got out of there uh, towards their their later years at Marquette. Uh, good news, Phil. I guess in five years those will be vintage. So maybe oh, those will bring be them back. <laughs> those will, Can we just those bring will them be back permanently? Like I, 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 I don't know. I, cool I, I don't want to. I don't want to were... be that. I don't want to be the uniform guy because I'm I'm hardly a uh, an expert at at fashion or or athletic apparel, but. Man, those uniforms were the best I've I've ever seen at Marquette. Th- those were my favorite. Uh, that are still legal. like when they made the change. When they made the change, I was open to a change, but like now that they're gone, I miss them. I th- those yeah. were Marquette's coolest uh, jerseys as uh, as long as I've been a fan. Now, granted, there were some awesome ones in the '70s too. The that you see in the Spirit Shop sometimes again, the Bumblebees and the the camo which uh, Doc Rivers wore. Those shorts are on 1992. But um, but yeah, I, the the. Dominic James into the Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Crowder eras. Those were Marquette's sweetest uniforms. By far. So, yeah, hands down. Anyway, uh, maybe we'll do a, a uniform power rankings in a future pod. But Ooh. hopefully we have good basketball to talk about this season. And again, join us all season long here on Scrambled Eggs. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am Joe McCann 3 Phil is M. O-O-O-F 23 uh, at Crack Sidewalks is a team handle. Go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post the pad- podcasts on there. You can leave a comment on the website. And please remember to go to Apple Podcasts at Spotify, rate, review, and subscribe. So that's way you will get the podcast when it drops uh, the next time. And uh, we still have a Facebook page or no? Yes, we do. It, it okay, runs it's itself at this point, but yes, we okay, have yeah, it's, it's, it. It's the, exists. Uh, if, for the olds out there, we do have a scrambled eggs Facebook page, but yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know where maybe, to find maybe it. I'll, maybe I'll post some kitten pictures or something, and, and that'll get more web traffic over at the old Facebook Okay, yeah, let's do that. Do that. Do that. Yeah. That sounds good. All right, anything else before we get out of here, Phil? Uh, I guess I'll share one more thing. So if you live in the Marquette area or are inclined to come back to, to, to Milwaukee for the event, uh, Wednesday, October 6th, the Marquette Business Alumni Association, which selfishly I'm a member of, um, uh, is hosting a – they do a breakfast club. Various businesses will host breakfast club. People can come together, network, etc. This one is a little bit unique is in that it will be at the Al McGuire Center from 7.30 to 9 o'clock. You can pay $15 to participate, and you get some breakfast. You get to hang out the owl. Um, you can hear from Bill Skoll. You can hear from Megan Duffy. Uh, Shaka Smart will be there. Um, so, again, if, if any of those names have any inclination towards towards you wanting to attend. Um, what was that last one? Uh, <clears throat> uh, Shaka Smart, I think is how you pronounce okay. it. Okay. Yeah, so so the the men's and women's head coaches as well as the athletic director uh, will be there to uh, you know uh, kiss hands and rub babies or whatever it is that they uh, uh, whatever it is they do. But uh, if you're so inclined, uh, go ahead and do that. And also, when we when we tweet out things, we'll uh, uh, we'll provide a link for that as well. So lots of opportunities to uh, to get out there and and talk to some folks. Again, we will pimp anything. Oh, absolutely. If you ask nicely. Yes. yes. All you got to do is ask nicely. <laughs> the and DMs maybe, you know, are open. Yeah. Ask nicely or maybe, you know, throw some scratch our way. You know, whatever. <laughs> DMs easy, are open. Just not cheap. <laughs> exactly. All right. Until next time, everybody. Seashells and balloons. <laughs>